Good morning, FCS football fans. Welcome to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. With you, as always, David Hassagan and the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Emery, good morning. Good morning, sir. How's it going? This wonderful morning here as we approach November. November is upon us. It is Halloween. No, weekend, no, 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 no. I'm Halloween glad you brought week. it up. No, it's not Halloween week. Cause no. all I saw all last weekend was doggone Halloween costumes. Like, <laughs> why does this holiday keep being pushed up early so people can? Oh, we got to get in it for the weekend. Like, no, celebrate it on the day it actually is, and deal with the consequences <laughs> the next day. Well, I mean, Christmas has already started popping up around here in the Northeast, folks. So it it could be worse. But Thanksgiving slander would not be tolerated on this this podcast. <laughs> I don't see how people continue to skip over Thanksgiving. It just blows my mind. It, it's uh, it's unbelievable. The turkeys will be very upset, I'm sure. <laughs> folks, uh, as you can tell, we're we're very refreshed this morning. Emory didn't have to suffer through any Jets or Giants games at the stadium this weekend, but we have a lot to talk about in the FCS. More top ten upsets this week. We had. An incredible top five matchup that ended up on college game day that was worth the price of admission. We're going to talk about our game balls, of course, our top 25s. And this week we're going to do, as we said last week, uh, we're going to do our conference favorites and the at-large contender-pretender game because we're just four weeks away from the college playoff selection show here for the FCS. And right now, it's, it's anybody's guess who's actually making the field. It's absolutely ridiculous. It changes every single week. No one has a clue, and the whole thing could be just thrown up and thrown in the trash by the end of Week 10. We'll talk about the Week 10 games at the end, of course. As always, folks, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud and subscribe to the Football Game Plan podcast while you're there so you don't miss any of the content. Go to footballgameplan.com, where football makes sense for all of your coverage from the pros to college and beyond. And don't forget to check out the FCS Conference Whip Around on YouTube as well as the FCS kickoff show, which we have on Optimum on the Game Plus Network here in the New York metropolitan area. Emery, anything uh, anything catch your eye this past weekend in particular before we get into the games? Um, I had a great call on the Morgan State fam. You brought ball games, so that was exciting. You guys can get the replay on ESPN3.com. But I have some thoughts on or some comments on the college game day at the you know at South Dakota State. Oh, I do have boy. some comments about that. Oh, right, we'll get to that in a quick second. By the way, that suit you were wearing at Oregon State, flawless. Listen. Absolutely I can only, flawless. I only, you know, I can only do my job. I can only do my part. <laughs> I bring value and color to the, bro- to the booth, and, you know, it's my job to do it up. You have to see the suit for yourself, folks. I'm going to put out a tweet. You can follow it at, at, at FBall Game Plan. Um, but the suit was phenomenal. At what, what, what color exactly was that? Was that lilac? It was you could, lilac. You could, you could do you could do lavender. You can do light purple, but you got to sound exotic. So it was lilac, and that was a, that was a word of the day around <laughs> Morgan State's uh, media press box. Lilac. That's all they kept talking about. So we had a lot of fun with it on the broadcast. <laughs> it takes a real man to wear pink. It takes a bigger man to wear lilac. And it, it looked great. <laughs> the reason why it came up was due to the, uh, Morgan State wore gray uniforms. At first, when they came out to warm up, I'm like, oh, my God, I ain't going to be able to see these numbers. And and just, why would you wear gray? You have They have such a, a great classic, you know, uh, dark blue with orange. And, and our, usually their home jerseys has been dark blue. Right. With white numbers. It's a classic look. It looks ph- phenomenal. Right. They came out with the gray uniform. I'm like, I don't know, man. Why is this great? And then 
over the course of the, the first quarter, I'm like, you know what? I couldn't tell what type of material it was. It looked like it was – it maybe was denim. It looked like asphalt. <laughs> but I'm like, man, these jerseys are kind of fresh. And it would just – I was like, you know what? They're starting to grow on me. And then that's when people started making comments about the jacket, and we had to put the jacket back on the screen. Hey, they're ch- they were channeling their inner Illinois. Didn't work so that way, though, for uh, for Morgan State. Let's talk about the games of Week 9. And we got to start with – the matchup that was on everyone's lips, number one, North Dakota State, number three, South Dakota State at Brookings. College game day there. Incredible experience. Looked like an incredible atmosphere uh, in Brookings, South Dakota. And this was a really good ball game. The ball game lived up to the expectations. These two teams always play each other tight. And it took North Dakota State with a late drive to get this win. They pull off the victory 23-16. But the Jackrabbits certainly show that they will be a test if they face, they face the Bison in the FCS playoffs. Yeah, it was a great game, great defensive effort. You know, and again, if you're going to play the Bison and try to beat the, these guys, you have to play great defense. Check for South Dakota State. But your offense also has to make sure it capitalizes. That was something that South Dakota State wasn't able to do often in this game. Now, granted, North Dakota State's you know defense is, is strong as heck. They're very good. But they needed more from their passing game, I thought. They didn't get that. They focused more on the ground game to try yeah. to beat North Dakota State. And, you know, that's not a game you want to play against the Bison. Mm. Um, I thought they were going to ask Gibbs to do a little bit more in the passing game. They didn't. They relied on Pierre Strong. Uh, but I thought if they would have probably been a little bit more balanced on offense, like we've seen them do throughout the season, yeah, it would have, you know, ended up in their favor. But this was a game that it was a clash of titans, and I'm pretty sure I'm not alone in thinking that you want to see these guys play each other again. Yes, absolutely. Somewhere like the semifinal round of the FCS playoffs would be good. What were your thoughts on the game day, though? You mentioned that in the intro. What were, you, what were your thoughts on that before we get into the rest of the game? Today? Here's what I hate about uh, the whole pick me, pick me, pick me. Please love our game, love our league, love our subdivision. Because what happens is you get game day to come down there, and they always, it never fails. They always treat the FCS uh, city as if it just, you know, existed this week. Like, oh, wow, we're in South Dakota. Hey, they got running water over here, folks. Oh, <laughs> oh wow, they have ice cream. It's like, man, you know, it, I get it. It's a four-hour show. So, and some people were saying, well, they're not, they're not talking a lot about the FCS. They don't talk a lot about whatever city, uh, game they're at in the midst of a four-hour show because right. you have to get to all the games and the, all the stuff that they cover. So, you know, they're, they'll throw, you know, segments in there about the city that they're in. It was in. a typical game day show. Exactly. It's a did. typical game day show. But I just, I, you know, I think instead of the FCS and its fans trying to get their three minutes on game day, they should put all of their efforts and money into getting the FCS kickoff on ESPN. Therefore, you have a full-fledged FCS preview show. Put it on that, like ESPNU or something You can put like it on that. ESPNU. We already do an hour show, and, you know, we can do a three-hour show. You know, we already do it. We already cover all the conferences. We already preview all the games. We already do a, a podcast giving you the news notes and tidbits around the, the FCS. We already got the affiliation with Stats and Craig Haley, and, and, and they do a great job of promoting us as we do them. We already call FCS games. Yeah. So why not put all that energy instead of hashtag FCS on game day? How about hashtag FCS kickoff on ESPN? 
hey, I wouldn't mind getting a paycheck. I'm off my sofa. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you may step down. Thank you very much. The, the defense rests. Getting back to the action on the field, folks, let's get into some of the upsets from this week. Number five, Villanova, has been climbing the charts steadily in the polls the last few weeks. But I said this, if you had watched the four-minute offense at the beginning of the FCS kickoff, I said this was a potential upset. They lose to Stony Brook. 36-35, last-second walk-off field goal for Stony. The Seawolves have quietly put together a really nice season. They've been flirting with the bottom of the top 25 all year long. This was not totally unexpected, but it's still a big upset. Still a big upset because you have Villanova's defense being what it is. And the fact that they were able to score 30-something points against Villanova was a feat in and of itself. Yeah. And to do it in an impressive fashion, this is the second time we've seen Stony Brook have a walk-off game winner. Mm-hmm. Says something about the resolve of that football team. Chuck Priori does a great job in coaching his guys up. I was out there over the summer watching those guys go through a practice. I want to play for Coach Priori and how he does things. You know, I'm not surprised that they're mentally tough, but to see it play out in two big games against Rhode Island and against Villanova, very impressive win for the Seawolves. Shout out to that program. Again, folks, if you watch the FCS kickoff, it's a very informative show. And we're it actually, very is. It, 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 you know, between you know, my four-minute offense and Emery's breakdowns from week to week, as well as our correspondents with their uh, special features, their, our 13 correspondents, there's a lot of information there. Because not only did I say that Villanova might be on upset alert, I also said Montana State might be. You did say that. North Dakota does it again. 16-12, to 12, defensive struggle. They knock off the Bobcats. This is the third time that the Fighting Hawks have knocked off a tw- top 25 FCS team. Is it time to give them the respect they deserve as a potential playoff team, despite being an independent? Yeah, because they're still playing essentially a big sky schedule. So they have some some tough wins on the wall. Yeah. Um, they have some great games, They you know, and they do a good job of playing defense. They can run the football when they want to. Uh, their defense has stepped it up a notch this year. Yeah, you can start taking these guys seriously. They're undefeated at home. You know, which yeah. is which is amazing, uh, and it's no home field advantage in my opinion. They play inside of a dome, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. So it's just uh, you know, <laughs> I just I just like how they are just competing, going about their business in a quiet way. One of two independents, you know, them and Merrimack. So shout out to the Fighting Hawks. Let's go back to the CAA because there was another upset alert, and the CAA again. There's no question that they are the strongest conference, top to bottom, this year, because. When we were coming up to with our playoff, you know, potential at-large bids, I had a potential list of nine that you can make an argument for, mm-hmm. and one of them was Richmond, and they knock off number nineteen Delaware, thirty-five twenty-five. The Spiders were one of these teams that nobody really thought was going to be anywhere close to being in contention at this point of the season. They're for real, and now they have a top twenty-five win under their belt. Yeah, they do, and, and man, how far has Delaware fallen? Remember, Delaware was in the top ten. Yeah. They're out of my top 25 this week. They have fallen off hard. They're 4-4, four 2-2 and four, two and two in conference play. Shout out to the Spiders, 3-1 and one, or 2-1 and one in conference play. 3-1, and one, I'm sorry. Uh, they're 4-4, four and four, but they're trending upwards, and they really dominated this game from start to finish. Let's move now into what was many one of many overtime games uh, this past week, and we're going to start with the Magic City Classic, Alabama A&M versus Alabama State. When these two teams meet up, there's a reason it's called a classic, folks. This thing is absolutely bonkers. And they got a thriller for the ages in this one. Alabama A&M pulls off the win, 43-41 in 
triple overtime, or double overtime, excuse me, uh, double or triple overtime. It was a lot of overtimes. Alabama A&M it gets was the triple win. triple overtime. In the 40s, incredible matchup between these two. Yeah, and the party didn't get started until overtime because it was 21-21 at the end of the regulation. And shout out to Jordan Bentley, the running back, who run, he reminds me a lot of Justin Farkas, who played at USC and went on to play for the Oakland Raiders. He's 6'1", about 195. Uh, he had over 197. He had 197 yards rushing. Three 39 carries. 39 carries. I'm telling you, he's tough like Fargus was. And and shout out to their defense. This has been an impressive A&M squad this year. Quietly. And Alabama State has, at first first part of the season, they looked like they were going to be the team in the East. And then they start to battle with that inconsistency. And then you start to see Alabama A&M rise up in the East mm-hmm. um, to perhaps challenge Alcorn, who's the big dog on the block. But this was a great win for A&M, a statement win for them, and we'll see if they can handle success this upcoming week. And that wasn't the only triple overtime game this week. Let's move to the Big South. Campbell over Gardner-Webb 49-47. We talked about Gardner-Webb last week. They're much improved. But quietly, Campbell has only one loss this season. Quietly, they could be the fly in the ointment where it's, is it Monmouth? Is it Kennesaw? Monmouth, Kennesaw. Campbell's just sitting in the back of the room, leaning against the wall. Y'all find it out amongst yourselves. We're gonna, we might take this thing in right in the end. What a great game for Campbell. And Campbell has a better strength of schedule than Kennesaw quietly. Yes. So that makes this <laughs> even more intriguing. And you're right. We talked about Gardner-Webb last week as I was on the Monmouth Gardner-Webb broadcast. They're big-time receivers. Isaiah Gaithings and Chuma Awana both guys are going to be pro prospects. Awana is the pro prospect because he's a senior. Both guys had two touchdowns yesterday. And they're red zone threats because these are guys that are 6'4", 215. So they're big-time threats inside the red zone. Campbell getting great play from Hajj Malik Williams, their freshman QB, who also is a dynamic player on the ground, had 100 yards rushing yesterday, uh, Saturday. And they look really good, man. Coach Mentor does a great job with this football team. Found a way to win against a very – Pesky Gardner-Webb, who's looking to take over the role of Presbyterian in this league, the flying ointment. Um, so I think Gardner-Webb is is going to be a, an issue for everyone from here on out. But they got great play from special teams. They got great play from the yeah. offense and defense. So it was a complete team win for Campbell. Let's move to another upset, another overtime game. Number 15, Nichols goes down to Abilene Christian. Again, the Southland, the Wild Wild West, 37-31. Abilene Christian was one of these teams from last year where we said, hey, they looked pretty good. They improved. They're right there again. They're sitting right around that 500 mark, and now they've got a win over a top 25 team. Could that lead to a run where they maybe make the playoffs? Shout out to Tracy James who scored the game-winning touchdown. And 4-3 and three in that conference, there's a log jam. There's about six teams right yeah. now in the Southland <laughs> that, that can make a, a case for either the title outright or that large bid. Abilene Christian just put themselves in the mix of that conversation. Yeah, four and three now in conference play, five and four overall. One last game to talk about. We've had some incredible stories this year across the FCS. Obviously, Sacramento State is one of them. UT Martin's having a great year. Tennessee Tech's up there, but quietly one of the most underrated comeback stories this year comes from Robert Morris. They knocked off Bryant this week, twenty-four to twenty. Not an impressive game. They've also, that's their third win in the conference. Fair enough. But that's not important until you realize that they had won a conference game since week 8 of 2016. They hadn't won back-to-back conference games since 20, 
13. Wow. And all of a sudden, the Colonials are tied at the top of the conference with Duquesne and Central Connecticut State undefeated. This team has moved up very, very nicely over the last few weeks. Pro prospect and tight end Matthew Gonzalez had a touchdown, and they were down in this ball game, and it looked as though Bryant was going to you know, get the upset win, but Robert Morris came back undefeated in conference play. <laughs> and now when you look at – if you pull up Robert Morris's schedule – They've got both of the big teams left. They got all three of the big dogs <laughs> left, Duquesne Central and also Sacred Heart. So <laughs> not only do they make things interesting – on the back end, they essentially control their own destiny to get in the playoffs. Last time they were in the playoffs was when I wrongly picked them to beat uh, North Dakota State back in like 2009. 2010, actually. 2010. Because that was their only playoff appearance. Exactly. And I was, was, I was like, oh, Robert Morris looked great this year, and they're going to beat North Dakota State. And wrong. boy, was I wrong. <laughs> Maybe there's something in the water in Moon Township, Pennsylvania. Right outside of Pittsburgh. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Permanente Brothers. You ever eaten there? Oh, Permanente Brothers is incredible. It is. French fries on a sandwich, folks, with Italian bread. too much stuff on a sandwich, but you, you fight through it. You, it's, a you sandwich, find a way. it's a sandwich that can feed a, a, either yourself for three days or a village for a week, it, depending on where you are. Some other games to talk about this week. Lehigh knocks off Georgetown 27-24. San Diego, they are now very much in control of their own destiny. They defeat Dayton 50-38. Wofford knocks off Chattanooga in overtime. Princeton 30-24 to over Harvard. Good game there. And Jackson State knocks off Prairie View in double overtime, 38-35. to Who are your game balls? Let's start with your first game ball here, Emery. Who do you got? First game ball, offensive player of the week for me, Braylon Smith, 24-43, 405 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. But he did more than enough to help Central Arkansas quietly maybe strengthen their case to be the top in that league. Mike McCarthy's Purple Bears. His Purple Bears. Might be controlling their own destiny in that one. I'm going to go to Drew Lauer, the running back from Drake. 28 carries, 242 yards, and two scores. The Drake Bulldogs are now the only team that can realistically take the Pioneer League crown from San Diego. We'll talk about that game coming up later on in the show defensive game ball i'm going to the game that i was on as the color analyst nickelback terry jefferson of famu three tackles three pass breakups a scoop and score for a touchdown which was a heads up smart play 50 yard fumble return and a half of tfl but terry jefferson was all over the field he plays in a slot he's a graduate so he has five years of football experience and it shows out there on the field he was all over the field could have had an interception as well he dropped that one but was able to undercut that that receiver to make the play on the ball. So he's a great instinctive player, big fan of his game. Uh, great day for the senior. I'm going to go to my special teams player, and you know how I always try to find a kicker. Well, I found one with maybe the greatest name currently in FCS football, Dimitrios Latsonas, the kicker from Valparaiso. Four for four on field goals. He's long from 43. They needed all those points. They knock off Stetson 19 to 10. That's a big upset. Big upset that changes everything in the pioneer league but a huge win for valpo Dimitrios, well done great job today i'm surprised you didn't go with the kicker of the week and that's nick courtney he was the other one he was the other one game winning 22 yard field goal as time expired to beat villanova 36 35 and he was three out of three that day that'll that'll work just fine that'll work just just fine although i want to mention one other defensive standout 
from North Carolina A&T. Freshman, true freshman, linebacker Jacob Roberts. He had his second start last this past week against Howard. 15 tackles, 6 tackles for loss, 3 sacks. Might want to block that guy. You might want to block that guy. He is now second or third in every major defensive category for A&T as a true freshman. And you know how hard it is to get into that squad. Yeah, and, and my last game ball, you know, is always about shutouts. There was only one this weekend, and it's the team that no one wants to give credit to. That's Central Connecticut State, who mm-hmm. shut out Long Island 28 to nothing. So, again, Central Connecticut State is a block punt in the back of the end zone away from being undefeated. They would have had the win against Eastern Michigan, who's quietly turned out to be a solid team in the MAC. Decent team in the MAC, to be sure. Uh, let's talk about those top 25s and teams not getting respect. Let's start from the top, though, as we always do. Um, a little bit of a change here, but not too much. North Dakota State, number one, JMU, two. Weber, number three. South Dakota State just moves down one spot, played a tough game against the number one team. Sac State jumps Kennesaw into my number five spot. Oh, wow. So I must have made a huge mistake in mine because I don't have South Dakota State. That's an oversight on, on my part. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I hate that. All right, so I have North Dakota State, James Madison, Weber, Sacramento State. I moved into the top five. Right. And Montana. I would have – I thought I put South Dakota State fifth, but I must have got that confused with Sacramento State. Right. Um, So – I mean, it's close, though, between the two. Yeah, it's close. So just put – if you – you know, obviously I already cast my my ballot, but – Sacramento State is supposed to be four. South Dakota State is supposed to be five. And every, if you push everybody down one, then that's what I want to put. But um, Montana is, is listed five here. So, Well, my next my next five here, I got Kennesaw at number six, Montana seven. Uh, Northern Iowa is at eight. Uh, Illinois State at nine. Villanova drops down to number ten for me. Six, I have Villanova. Illinois State at seven. Kennesaw at eight. Central Arkansas at number nine. Because quietly, they've just continued to win. Yeah. And and they have that FBS win on their schedule, too. And Central Connecticut State at number 10. Central Connecticut at 10. Defense is dominant. Their offensive line is excellent. They have a pro prospect, Javon Brown, on that offensive line. Again, a blocked punt in the back of the end zone away at the end of the game yeah. from being undefeated. Yeah. All right. All right. I can, I can see why you got in that high. Uh, if you get to them to number one, though, there's a problem. Uh, number <laughs> 11 through 15, Central Arkansas at 11, Montana State at 12. A&T moves up to 13 after a blistering win this past week, 64-6. to six. Uh, Towson, 14, and Southeastern Missouri moves up to number 15 for me. Another key win in conference. We have Southeast Missouri at the same spot at 15, but 11 is Furman, 12, Dartmouth, 13, UNI, 14, Wofford, quietly. Wofford quietly is having a good year. My next group, Gasp, is an Ivy League team in my top 25, Emory. There's an Ivy League team. <laughs> they well-deserved, probably. Dartmouth, number 16. They continue to roll. UC Davis at 17. I got Wofford at 18. Citadel at 19. And Jacksonville State now at number 20. I have Alcorn at 16. Monmouth at 17. Jacksonville State at 18. A&T at 19. And Stony Brook at 20. Stony Brook moving up that high. Okay. Yeah, they jumped in. Okay, nice. Um, I've got two new teams at the bottom of my top 25. I've got Nichols at 21, FAMU at number 22, Furman at 23, and the two new boys, Central Connecticut State at 24, 
Stony Brook moves in at number 25. Okay. Now, here's how I closed out. Albany at 21. Austin P at 22. Yep. Campbell at 23. Jeez. <laughs> UT Martin at 24. And if you do my, you know, if you add South Dakota State at number five, you know, then UT Martin will be 25. Yeah. Otherwise, right now at 25, I have FAMU. And the reason why I don't rank FAMU high is because they're in, ineligible. So why waste a, an opportunity to put them high? You know, they, they're, they're good, but they're not eligible for anything, conference title or postseason. So I, I don't want to waste a spot in, in, you know, higher than 25. I'll acknowledge that they're good, so I keep them at 25. But if I were to put South Dakota State in like I wanted to, um, that pushes them out to top 25. Right. Even though they're they're really good, but right. why have a team? Because I saw this last week. You know how FAMU was ranked really high. It's like, man, that's that's a spot that should be held for someone that's actually able to play for something. You know, whether it's a conference title, at large bid, or even if they were eligible for the Celebration Bowl. So I love FAMU. Love what they're doing. They're going to be great in 2020. They're America's team, Emory. They are America's team. They're America's team. They, they deserve respect they, they from you. They do, but they're 26th <laughs> right now in my rankings. <laughs> but I, I will say this. My next five are interesting because I got Princeton as my first team out. From what I've seen, they're way too inconsistent for me to be ranked as high as they are. I can see why some people are upset that they're a top 15 team right now because I still don't think they're better than Dartmouth. Then I got Albany, UT Martin, North Dakota, and South Carolina State who quietly knocked off Bethune-Cookman this week. Oh, we'll get to that in, in a second. Oh, the MEAC is now really, really fun, we'll get folks. get to that. It's really fun now. Folks, again, this is the Week 10 preview here on the FCS Opening Drive. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, I am David underscore Hassing, and Emery is at FBall Game Plan. We can have all of our takes there, as well as all of our travels. Uh, we'll both be on the road again this upcoming week. So keep an eye on that. Will you be this week? I will be up at the Albany game. Albany taking on Maine. So those Great Danes. Okay. One of these teams that's quietly. There's right now. They're second in the CAA. Quietly. Quietly. With some really good offense. But let's get into now. We've got four weeks left in the season. We're into the home stretch now officially. It's time to start figuring out. Okay, who in the hell is going to make these playoffs? Because as we've said in the last couple of weeks. As much as we criticize the committee, the selection committee of who they've put in the last couple of years, I do not envy them this time around. Because there are, I tried to limit this down, folks, and eliminate as many teams as I could. With four weeks to go, you can make an argument for me for 56 teams to be a playoff spot. And of that group, maybe 15 of them have a solid, yep, they're definitely in no matter what case for me. So let's go, let's start with to at the beginning our favorites to win each conference and we will include the Ivy League in this because they are ineligible for the playoffs as well as the MEAC and the SWAC for who would go to the Celebration Bowl correct so starting with the Big Sky starting with the Big Sky I've got Weber winning there Kennesaw I think still holds on to the Big South well hold on you, you going let, let's or you want to go back and forth on yeah, this one I got, right. I got who you have winning that I got Weber winning it but barely I got Sac barely. State winning it we might figure that out this week. Um, Kennesaw, for me, I still think holds on to the Big South. I think they're just good enough. I think Monmouth, with all of the energy that they put in, can win this this conference. And they've been building up nicely. And again, Campbell, just kind of sitting in the corner. Quietly. Quietly. 
JMU six game winning streak by Campbell, by the way. Yeah, just eh, you know, they're just there. Uh, JMU winning the CAA. No arguments. Yep. Dartmouth is still my favorite in the Ivy. By no a long, argument there. By a large margin. Now we get to the MIAC. <laughs> of the teams that are eligible, my favorite right now is South Carolina State. Ain't, but, hey, listen, I'm not hating at that. That's actually a wise and good choice. A reasonable choice That's... considering that they just beat Bethune. But I still like Bethune to win the conference. Interesting. Very interesting. Which sets up a whole lot of possibilities for them to have their cake and eat it too. Yes. Um, obviously, no debate really here. Missouri Valley, North Dakota State, Bison. Mm-hmm. NEC, still going with Central Connecticut. Because yeah, of the as much as I like the story of Robert Morris, I don't see them, <laughs> you know, shout out to the Colonials, though, but I like Central Connecticut State to win that, that conference. I think they're still the favorite. This is one I'm interested to hear your answer to. Who's your OVC favorite right now? You're going to love this one because this is something I try to warn people about way back in the preseason, back in August or July. Are you going where I think you're going? Eastern Kentucky. <laughs> he is going where I think he was going. They have the they, they control their own destiny. The Colonels. They're playing the best defense in the conference, and they've won two straight games. I think they have a chance to 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 really Yeah. I, I win mean, this I, thing. I, I, I like I like their chances. I, I can't argue with that because the OVC is so wide open. There are five teams that could legitimately win the conference right now. I'm going with Southeastern Missouri, though. I think they just have a little bit too much firepower. Jacksonville State's too inconsistent. Eastern Kentucky are close. I don't think they're good enough to win the whole thing, though. Patriot League. You gave up on UT Martin already? No. Well, that's the thing. You could easily say UT Martin or Austin P. Easily could be in that conversation as well. But I think Southeastern Missouri somehow gets the job done. Patriot League. I like Holy Cross. Same. Because they've been the most consistent out of the bunch. They're Even playing. though Lehigh has won four straight. Which is impressive, including a win over Georgetown. I, I, I am... I can't figure out Georgetown. Shout out to Tyron Gilmore, the former Holy Cross <laughs> head coach. But Holy Cross, in terms of defense, is outstanding in this conference. They weren't great out of conference, but they are right there with Georgetown in terms of their defensive abilities. Pioneer League, San Diego? San Diego. And uh, before we, we move on, uh, speaking of the Pioneer League, mm-hmm. you know, me being at Johns Hopkins. Yeah. And, you know, looking at their facilities, Johns, you know, they're D1 lacrosse. Yep. And powerhouse in lacrosse. Their facilities are, are D1. Powerhouse from basketball, too. Quietly. And so they, I think, watching them play, they're a Pioneer League team easily. That could be interesting. That, right. So if they want to move up to D1, the Pioneer League would be an ideal fit for them. I said all that to say this. I ran into Tommy McDonald, McDonald who's the uh, running backs coach there. And if that last name sounds familiar, that's Coach Sean McDonald's son, who is a fan of the show. He is indeed. He's a big fan of the show. He said he's been watching our videos for about 10 years and been listening to our podcast since we started. He also said, tell your co-host, David Hashagan, to stop being a hater <laughs> on New Hampshire. So just want to get that in there before I forget. Hey, it, it, hey I, I have more than made up for my sins with New Hampshire. I even had them ranked this year. Shout out to Tommy and his, his dad, Sean, who's doing well. He has responded to the chemo, and that's, things that's are going well. Um, hopefully it continues to go well because Coach wants to get back out there on the sideline and Coach. But shout out to Tommy McDonald, his family, uh, and uh, our thoughts and prayers are with them. Uh, but yeah, stop being a hater, man. Like, <laughs> on you and not even on Johns Hopkins. I didn't even hate on Johns Hopkins. No, you're that. hating on 
New Hampshire, and I forgot to mention it in the CAA, so I had to find a way to tie it in. And <laughs> if I, if they want to, now that was a serious part. If they want to move up, Pioneer League is right there for them, yes. and it gives them another, you know, footprint in the East, yeah. in in Baltimore, and they get a really good team too. That I would agree with. SoCon, who is your favorite in the wide open SoCon right now? Furman. Same. Okay. Although the argument could be made for Wofford, VMI, and the Citadel. VMI, you still, you still, you still I own still, VMI. They, VMI still is like okay. You know what? The key debts are still there. Um, as long as they don't th- start throwing interceptions, I'm just saying they got a shot. Southland, Central Arkansas, or are we disagreeing on this one? I got Central Arkansas. Okay, Purple Bears. Purple Bears, of respect. Yep. Now we get to the swack, the crazy swack. It's not too crazy if you really think about it. It shouldn't be. It's just one team, and that's all corn to me. That's been the most consistent for sure. Although on any given day, I would give A&M, Alabama A&M, a chance against them. And again, quietly, Arkansas Pine Bluffs had a nice year. But all court's definitely the, the favorite. They have the, the best swag. defense in the swag. Now let's start to talk about contenders and pretenders for the at-large bids. Because Emery went a little bit further. He's he's put himself his neck even further on the line and given his entire playoff field. Well, yeah, well, I've, I've listed a couple teams that could be at-large. All right, throw throw some of them at me, and we'll we'll figure out. Well, let's here. start with the spiciness. It you have your choice. Whoever doesn't win the MEAC, and you're talking about if I have Bethune winning the MEAC, A and T is hard to keep out, or South Carolina State. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's because if they win out, you're talking about teams that may only have one or two losses, or two losses. You true, know? true. And but here's the I will say this though. A&T still has South Carolina State and Bethune-Cookman. Right. So let's say Bethune wins and South Carolina State loses and A&T somehow gets to you know, the tiebreaker or what have you. A&T goes to the bowl game. How do you keep Bethune-Cookman out? But and so- how do you not hate Southeastern Louisiana for not playing that game now? But South Carolina State's the one with the tiebreaker because they've beaten Bethune-Cookman and they have a&T left on their schedule. So if they beat A&T. You want Bethune-Cookman to beat A&T if you want to get a team for the MEAC right. in the postseason. So there's an opportunity for a team in the MEAC to get into the playoffs is my point. Yeah. And then you also look at the OVC. OVC is wild. You have wild. four teams. OVC is wild. Whoever doesn't win. if Let's say if Eastern Kentucky pulls off the stunner and wins the conference. Yeah. Austin P. SEMO, Jacksonville State, UT Martin. Two of those teams are going to get in. Yeah. So at least because I mean because you have UT Martin, Austin P, Eastern Kentucky, Zemo all have one loss in conference and they're all five and three. Right. So you get to four losses in any conference outside of the Missouri Valley and the CAA, you're very much on the bubble. If not, your bubble's burst. With, with college basketball season getting ready to tip off in a few weeks, this is like the Great Alaska Shootout. <laughs> this is like <laughs> this is crazy because the last couple of weeks in this in in this season in the OVC. It's round robin. Teams playing each other. So teams going to knock oh, yeah. each other out the playoffs. Oh, yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see. Then I have uh, Wofford. Wofford, one, I, I, Wofford think, I think, is relatively solid in their case. I think they're in. Sam Houston State? Not so much for me. Wow. Not so much for Why? me. Why? They were a top 10 team. They've been, as soon as they get ranked, they drop right out of the game. Now they've done well in conference. You sound, they sound like Jacksonville State to me. They sound like Jacksonville State, and Jacksonville State, for me, is on the bubble. Okay. So, because they've got two losses in conference already. If Sam Houston State wins out the rest of their games, they're going to get in as the automatic bid, obviously. But I think they can only have four, maybe one more loss. They can't get two more losses the rest of the year. I think two teams get in out of the Southland. I think it's going to be probably two. You could see a third because uh, 
I think with the CAA, I wrote down nine teams in the current CAA. The way it stands nine? right No, to where it stands right now, that have a chance. Not that are in, that have a chance. No, I'm saying like nine have a chance? Towson's the one of the ones at the bottom. So is Udell. I think Udell's very much on the bubble. I but, think they're out. But you've got so many elimination. I mean, some of the games coming up this week, Nova's, you got UNH. Stoney's got Richmond. Those were elimination games to me. Fair enough. Out of Because this is what we're seeing in the CAA this year is what we saw in the Missouri Valley last year. Everybody beat the hell out of each other. And Missouri Valley got, what, three teams, I think? I think so. So as strong as the CAA is, that's what you might see here. And Missouri Valley, you might see the same thing. The only teams that are definite for me are the Bison, the Jackrabbits, and Northern Iowa. Oh, we don't have Northern Iowa. I have Bison obviously winning. Jackrabbits is not as easy at large. Yep. And Illinois State. See, I've like after seeing Illinois State play, they're gettable down the stretch, especially. And I don't know if they're complete enough once if they do get in the playoffs to do anything while they're there. I would give a better chance to Southern Illinois because they've got the same argument that the Citadel does. We got a win over an FBS team. We got a win over a top twenty-five team in the FCS. We're five hundred, but both teams are in the same position. Who do they have down the stretch though? Southern Illinois. Let me bring that schedule up right quick, right quick, because it's going to be. It's not going to be easy for them. I'm not going to say it's easy for the Salukis to get through here. But they got Indiana State. That's a gettable game. Missouri State. Gettable. Western Illinois. Gettable. So that they can go 3-0. and And then they finish the year at North Dakota State. Damn. But if you finish 3-1, and that gets you to 7-5 in the Missouri Valley with an FBS win and a top 25 victory? That's a strong case you just made for them. That, that's an opportunity. And, and while we're talking about that scenario, let's talk about the Citadel. Because they're in the same position. They got the win, obviously, against Georgia Tech, a much stronger right. FBS opponent because the Salukis win was against UMass, which is an Hey, pseudo. man, shout out to UMass, man. Don't, don't hate on UMass. <laughs> shout out to UMass. But go ahead. But Citadel's got three games left. They knocked off Mercer this past week in a tight ball game. East Tennessee State, Chattanooga, Wofford. That's their last three games. If they go, if they If get, they beat both Chattanooga and Wofford. If they go 2-1 and one in the last three games, they're in. Um, I think they're in. No, no, no. They ha- it has to be two and one in the right games. They can't beat East Tennessee and lose to Chattanooga. True. They have to beat Chattanooga and Wofford. They have to. You mean East Tennessee and Chattanooga? No, they have to beat Chattanooga. They have to beat Wofford, you think, to get in? You can't lose to. They beat Furman. They beat Sam. They beat. You want a stronger case? Beat Chattanooga and Wofford. But that loss to East Tennessee might knock them out completely. No, because then they can say, hey, well, you know, we beat Furman. We beat Georgia Tech. We beat Mercer. Solid program. I am a Mercer fan. That is not a quality win right now. And I'm a big Mercer guy. I'm a big Bobby Lamb guy. Two and three in conference play. It's still better than be losing to an 0 and 5 conference team in East Tennessee. I'm just saying, if they're going to, they got to run the table or their two and one has to be against Nuga and Wofford. It's talking about the CAA, I have Stony and Nova as two teams that are at large. Yeah. Big South is interesting. Big South is really interesting. Because I have Campbell potentially as an at-large. Kennesaw, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago off-air, though, and talked about this weekend where you may even have a situation where they could finish second place and have a phenomenal record, let's say 10-1 and one or something like that, right? And miss the postseason. Right, because of the strength of schedule. Their strength of schedule is one of the weakest – and this has been an argument by a good portion of the voters in the FCS Hats poll that they shouldn't be ranked as high as they are because they have wins against Point University and Reinhardt. Now, granted, they couldn't figure out who was on their schedule because this is still 
the schedules they were creating when they started football. So you can't fault them for having these games because that's who they had. That's how they, who they had to schedule because nobody else wanted them. But you look at their other wins. Alabama State, decent win. Alabama State's a decent win. Missouri State, meh. Charleston Southern, meh. Presbyterian, meh. North Alabama, okay, getting there. Monmouth and Campbell back-to-back weeks. They win those two games they're in, as long as they don't screw right. up against Gardner-Webb in the last game of the season. That's the other thing. You can't ignore the Gardner-Webb flying the ointment. Because, as we said, Campbell's quietly sitting at 6-1. and one, And their only loss was to Troy. Exactly. So, <laughs> it's the Big South. I You could mar- make an argument that two, maybe even three teams get in from that league if Kennesaw runs the table. You could also make the argument that maybe only one team gets in. Right. Which is probably the most likely possibility. Which would be we, a crime because I yeah. think two should get in, uh, whether it's Monmouth in the division winner or, you know, Campbell and Monmouth, whoever. Or the, yeah. you know. So in the big sky, I have two teams, Weber and Montana. Yeah, my, my three at this point that are solid from the big sky, Sac State, Weber, Montana, they're good. Montana State starting to slide a little bit. They lost two straight. And that's that's huge. Starting to slide a little bit. And the team that no one's talking about that could change everything is Portland State in the big sky. Now, they don't have – they're not the strongest of teams. They still have – they haven't played the strongest of schedule so far. They have got a very, very tough road in. But – They got two – I about to say, you talk about their schedule, man. They got those two non-Division one wins. Non-Division one wins. But their last three games – are Montana, UC Davis, and Eastern Washington. UC Davis is still fighting for the playoff lives. Eastern Washington is pretty much done. Eastern Washington's done. UC Davis... They're not done to you? They're still ranked in the national polls. They're not in terms of what, again, the committee doesn't really look at rankings. So UC Davis is still a questionable one, but if they knock off Montana... They are a hot four and five right now. They are a hot four and five. So, again, I, I think it's very, very tough to make a case for Portland State. I'm just saying they run the table going in. It's going to be hard to keep them out at this point. Um, what do you think about the Patriot League at this point? Because Only one team gets in. I think it's still only one team bid. It is only one team. What if Georgetown runs the table, though? It's a one. It's Georgetown a one lost team. to Davidson. Okay. All right. They've been in, you know, they haven't been able to, you know, impose their will on teams they should have beaten. Yeah. Soundly. True. What about the Southland Conference now? Because, again, that's always one where it's. I told you, I have. You just have two. Sam Houston? Sam Houston and UC, uh, Central so, Arkansas. You don't think Incarnate Word or Southeast Louisiana? I think all of, the, all of that is going to work itself out. Yeah. You know, and um, so I'm only predicting your one at large coming from the Southland. And now the real question do you have North Dakota in? Is the no, only, I don't. no. I don't. So three top 25 FCS wins is not that's, enough. That's all fine and dandy, man. But at the end of the day, they have some, they have some bad losses. Every team at this point has bad losses, though. They're five and three. Not Campbell. Campbell might be the only one that you can make an argument for, but you got wins against Montana State, top ten, UC Davis. I forget where they were ranked at the time. They were probably top fifteen. Sam Houston State. Their losses are North Dakota State. That's not a bad loss. True. They lost to Idaho State. That's not great. Lost to Eastern Washington early in the season. That's turning into a not a great one. Their last three games. Northern Colorado, Southern Utah are gettable. So if they beat Weber in two weeks, that gets them to eight wins. Eight and three with three top 25 victories. I thought you said the committee doesn't look at rankings. 
but they do care for whatever reason, folks. They don't care about where the team is ranked, but they care if they've beaten ranked teams. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me. So actually, you know what? If they beat Weaver and they run the table, that's four top twenty-five wins for the Fighting Hawks. Listen, I'm just saying that's a possibility to me, and they're quietly playing some of the best ball that no one's talked about all around. Like I said, folks, this is just a, it's a giant mess that right now I've got, in terms of teams that have a chance, some not very good chance, but still have a chance, I've got 56. That's got to get whittled down to 24. There's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of teams <laughs> eliminate. This, this week, though, there's going to be a lot of teams. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of elimination uh, games. Knocked out. And let's get into some of those games, and let's start with the telling games of the week. We mentioned the games in the CAA. Stony taking on Richmond. Villanova at UNH. That's not an, el- an elimination game for Villanova. I think it is for UNH if they lose it. But even though they've played arguably some of the best football in the month of October of mm-hmm. anybody, but Stony and Richmond, even though Stony I think will be ranked in this year's this week's poll, it's not a given for them right now. Um, and we talked about Illinois State. They've got Northern Iowa coming to That's town. That's a this huge week. game. That could decide your third team in the Missouri Valley. If they only get three teams, which it looks like they might. UT Martin, Jacksonville State. Massive. Elimination. Elimination game, by far, especially for Jacksonville State. But easily for UT Martin as well. Nichols, Incarnate Word. There's another one. That's an elimination game because, you know, I've been disappointed in both teams this year. Especially Nichols. Yeah, they, they haven't shown. They, they, they just haven't played their, their normal selves this year. The trap games this week, I've got Montana at Portland State again. If Montana looks past them, that's big, big problems. Even though Montana, I still think, is solidly in. Portland State wins that game. They could be a fourth team out of the big sky. North Dakota State is at Youngstown. Going to be interesting to see how that goes. Central Arkansas is at Lamar. The Lamar, Lamar. I wouldn't call that a, that a trap game. That's just a good game. It's a good game, but Lamar is just sitting there, just like last year. A eh. true trap game to me would be Colgate at Georgetown, or LIU at Robert Morris. True, because LIU. We talk about who Robert Morris has on the back end. True, and this is this is the week before those two games in a row. Bingo. And LIU, they're not used to losing. Right, they are not used to losing at the D two level. They're zero and six, zero and seven. That's not going to sit too well, and they're going to somebody's going to want to change that. Let's get to the unsung games of the week. A and T at South Carolina State. We talked about the impact of that one. Drake at San Diego. Winner of that game more than likely wins the Pioneer and gets to the playoffs. Austin P at Eastern Kentucky. Huge. Dartmouth at Harvard. Harvard took Princeton to the brink last week. Dartmouth better be careful at Cambridge. Delaware at Towson. Elimination game for Delaware? Bro, or Delaware is out. You think Delaware's just straight done? They're done. There's your motivation, Blue Hens. And then, my one of my unsung games is the Stats FCS game of the week, Monmouth at Kennesaw. How is unsung if it's the because game of the week? There's one more David game that I think, I think there might be one game that's better, but FCS Stats game of the week, this is a critical one in the Big South with Monmouth and Kennesaw. Which one do you think is better, Wofford and Clemson? Weaver at South at Sacramento State. Okay, but I can see why they've chose Monmouth and Kennesaw. That's I a don't, big game. I don't have any argument with that because again, even if Kennesaw wins out and loses this game, I think they're done. Yeah, the, the just because of their strength of schedule. Right. Do you, now, where do you, where did you have Kennesaw in your top twenty-five? Eight. You had them at eight. I had them at six. 
if they lose to Monmouth, are they out of the top 25 completely? No. No. No, not at all. Uh, you only can play who's on the schedule. Okay. And you have to give credit to Kennesaw for winning impressively in the games that they're supposed to win. They have won impressively all year. Think about this. Right, exactly. And so, they replaced most of their offense in doing so. They replaced exactly. eight so, or nine starters on the so offense I'm starting the to, I'm starting to think, you know, maybe those games won't hurt them if they lose to Monmouth or Campbell because they've been impressive in every game. Yeah. And so even had an outside chance to win that FBS game. Yeah. So Kennesaw is still a good football team. It's just unfortunate because of the schedules I've made so far in, in advance. They just got caught up in this in this year's schedule, but they have proven, despite their schedule, that they are still dominant. They haven't had problems with the D three teams that they had to play against. Unlike, D, uh, yeah, D2. unlike Val D two, unlike Valparaiso, right, who had a lot of trouble with them this year. Um, and like you said, in in terms of FBS FCS play, they have not really had trouble in any game they've played so far. Right. So they're still great defensively. If they lose to Monmouth, I would drop them below number twenty, though. Wow, that's like a huge drop. I you look at the strength of schedule. They're one twenty-two, I think, in terms of strength of schedule out of one twenty. So if they lose on the last second field goal, you dropping them still below twenty? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I'm and here's the thing. I don't know if I'm ranking Monmouth either. <laughs> that's the crazy thing. How? That's the I I know. I know, but right now, Monmouth At David is... underscore Hassey and everybody. <laughs> hey, there's going to be more people coming to my defense probably than there are going to be people going at me. If you got a problem, at Craig Haley on Twitter. That's true, yes. Uh, that's our complaint department, so you can go there for him. I'm, I'm sure he will have a, a witty response uh, <laughs> to anything that you may have a comment about. Emery, where are you going to be this upcoming week? I will be the color analyst for that trap game I talked about, Colgate at Georgetown in D.C. on DCW50, which is the CW network in D.C. Uh, it'll be on the Patriot League network as well. Uh, you know, So be sure to check that out. I'm excited about it. Jeremy Huber, who is the uh, play-by-play guy, will be on the call with me. He's a great, great dude. He also does the <laughs> updates on uh, SiriusXM. Funny story, though, uh, Aaron Boone, said during the playoffs he was walking around uh the the dugout or the you know the yep. clubhouse he kept saying to himself i'm jeremy huber because that's how he always ends his <laughs> his tag or in a serious xl when he does his news updates so shout out to jeremy man it's very popular getting shout outs from aaron boone of all people <laughs> I'm uh, jeremy huber and please, Georgetown, we've been wanting you to get above 500 for a long time. Since 2011, I think, was a 12, I Just believe. Just come on. They were 8-3 and three in 2012. And they should have be above 500 now. Why are they losing close games to Lehigh? But shout out to Lehigh. Four straight wins. And especially for them when they had to make an unexpected coaching change at the beginning of the season. Thank you. And also, you look at if they knock off Holy Cross, which who they play this week. Yeah. There's there's a lot of first and second year coaches this year. There's a, there's your Patriot League winner essentially. There's a lot of first and second year coaches this year that are having impressive jobs. Robert Morris has a second year coach. Uh, you got a second year coach at Holy Cross. First year coach at Lehigh. Chesney is the FCS version of um, rode a boat dude out there in Minnesota. Um, <laughs> what's it? PJ Fleck? Coach Chesney does it. Coach Chesney is all energy. And it premiates throughout his team. You saw this last year when they were down 31-5 to against Georgetown with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. 
and got the win. You see it all throughout the spring in the videos they post on their social media feeds. Does he race players <laughs> down the sideline like Coach Fleck does? He, are you right. He should. I don't know. He's still in great shape, by the way, too. Start doing push-up contests with the linemen or something He's, like that? He is in fantastic shape. <laughs> I, I tell you. And his energy is not phony. It's legitimate, genuine energy. Yeah. And I'm not shocked at how impressive Holy Cross has been this year or, you know, since last year and how they are this year. They're yeah. right now – on the cusp of winning the Patriot League. They got a huge game. That's a big game this weekend. We'll cover it on the FCS kickoff. That's a massive, massive game this week for Holy Cross. And again, I will be up at Albany taking out the Great Danes, taking on UMaine. Who would have thought Albany would have more to lose than UMaine at this point? Because the Black Bears are out. That's true. After winning the conference title last year. But Albany has put together some nice offensive performances this, this year, which... If you know anything about Albany football, they were a power for a long time, about a decade, you know, last decade or so, but it's been based on their defense, not on their offense. So are there any pro prospects do you think people should keep an eye on in that game? Oh, I don't I don't have any. Um, Between Albany and, uh, and UMaine? Because Albany, again, the offense has been... Well, Maine, Maine has prospects. I don't have them offhand. Thanks for putting me on the spot, David Hasshagen. Hey, this um, is the man with all the knowledge. <laughs> but <laughs> I will have some answers for you by the end of the week, though. Uh, before you get up there. But uh, right now, no. Still trying to wake up, Dave. <laughs> Still trying to wake up. He, again, he, he wasn't lulled off into a coma by the Jets or Giants this week, folks. So he's a, <laughs> he's, he's a little bit little bit worse for wear. Maybe he's out of his, daily, his weekly routine. I'm not sure which one. Uh, again, folks, that'll do it for the FCS Opening Drive podcast. For all of your FCS knowledge, don't forget to go to the Stats FCS uh, for the FCS football poll. That will be coming out later this afternoon. And don't forget to check out all the stats and stuff while you're there. Craig Haley and his group, for all the grief that we do give him, does a tremendous job covering the FCS game. And I'm sure he will have something to say about our playoff picks and our opinions in terms of that with four weeks to go. Because everyone's of those opinions will probably be wrong by the time we get to the <laughs> end of the season. Again, if you want to listen back on this podcast or any of our previous podcasts or anything we produce here at Football Game Plan, you can go to SoundCloud or iTunes. You can search Football Game Plan in the podcast section. You can find all that there. Subscribe. Give us a five-star rating and give us your feedback. We always want to improve. We want to give you what you want as the listener or the viewer if you're watching us on the Game Plus Network. So let us know. What do you guys want to see? What do you want to hear from us? Again, if you want to follow us on Twitter, I am at David David underscore Hashagan. Emery is at FBall Game Plan. And all complaints can go to at Craig Haley on at Twitter. Craig Haley. I'm sure you're going to have a few of them by the end of this podcast. And don't forget to follow us on the game plus network as well if you are in the new york area and have optimum we are on there three days a week wednesday thursday and friday covering your uh sports betting college football as well as pro football wednesday thursday and friday at 6 30 footballgameplan.com slash go go offense to pick up your copy of the go go offense by william and mary offensive coordinator brendan marion books are flying off the shelves footballgameplan.com slash go go offense and get your copy today that'll do it for me and emery thanks for listening in folks enjoy week 10 get out and enjoy some football this weekend and we'll talk about week 11 coming up next week